Hello, Gridwisers. It's Jay from Gridwise, and I am sitting across virtually with my coworker, Brandarino. Hey, everyone. And today is going to be an exciting video episode. We're going to go podcast style. We're going to be talking about the latest trending topics in the rideshare world today on this podcast. No cuts, no edits, no nothing except content. Yep just content we've got like a we've got a pretty nice agenda of topics things have really been kind of going crazy in the rideshare industry right oh it really has been with uh all these laws going into effect in california passing we have rate cuts to uber eats don't know if that is completely true i haven't seen it in my uber app messages but i think in some markets uber eats Rates have been cut by 22%, so keep on a lookout for that. If you're in that market, let us know in the comment below if you're affected by Uber Eats cuts right now. I'm going to do a call to action for y'all watching. But what other things are going on, Randorino? Um, Gas prices. So this is kind of an interesting thing from like a macroeconomic standpoint that we can get into where... Using big words. I like it. Yeah, big, big word. <laughs> Macroeconomics. Odiferous. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um yeah some things kind of going over going on in the middle east like that could have an effect certainly on gas prices which and is are you talking about the recent attacks on the saudi refinery is that what you're talking about yes i am oh for those of you watching if you don't get these inside jokes between me and brandon click on the top right interactive i button go watch our uber eats part two video and that's where the inside joke of difference comes from and click on it watch it it happens i won't tell you when it happens but if you're curious about these inside jokes that are freaking hilarious click on that link watch uber eats part two sorry yep and then yeah, so we're going to talk about the saudi potential gas crisis whatever that's going to be how that's going to affect uber drivers and then finally um looks like uber and lyft are limiting drivers in new york or limiting um not drivers but the times the drivers can go on the app so it's going to be interesting to see how um you know with 85 passing is that going to be something that we're going to see be in california is it going to be more widespread you know what's going on with, going on there so, it will be I, I totally see this as uber's way of testing out something in a smaller market and not by you know market size but just testing it out locally regionally before right. rolling out major changes so they're going to be testing these new employee-like restrictions in New York City, see the results, and then possibly open it up, like Brandon said, again, in California and other markets. Um, well, I'm not completely sure how much relation AB5 had in effect pushing the restrictions on how often New York City drivers can drive. I do remember seeing an article online that said the reason why they are testing those changes and implementing those changes in New York City is just due to the already set uh, cap on driver supply. I mean, they, I think New York is... So I believe there's also um, hourly minimums in, in New York, in New York uh -huh. City. I think that is going to be kind of the um, more so the catalyst and why it kind of ties in a little bit into, into AB5. Obviously with um you know with the fact that drivers are going to be now employed 
you know, that brings into question things about, you know, hourly wages. And obviously, whenever you're online in whatever way that they decide, you're going to be ha you're having to, um, you're going to you're going to pay what pay for that hourly. See these companies deciding, you know, to uh, what time you can and, and, and can't drive a little bit more strenuously. But that's kind of our last topic. Let's kind of start off by just overall talking about AB5 and kind of the what that means and kind of like the fallout from that, what we've been hearing kind of in, in, in the groups from writers and things like that. Um, Jenda, what have, what have you been what have you been hearing? Um, or I guess explain for the folks, whoever doesn't know for some reason, you know, kind of what's all going on with AB5. So it's it's no it's no it's common knowledge by now that Uber and Lyft have really been misclassifying rideshare driving and drivers. Um, we're not independent contractors, and this is well known. And they classify us as independent contractors because they know that the costs associated with paying out labor benefits and insurances are much, much higher than having a contracted workforce. What I know about AB5, just from reading online, uh, it's just a natural extension, a natural evolution of, of just legislation going through, hearing the driver's voices and protecting, protecting the drivers. Um, although it doesn't mandate Uber and Lyft to turn all of their existing drivers and contractors into employees, it does lay the groundwork, a path forward, um, to do the to do so in the future in, in terms of actually classifying all rideshare drivers from contractors to employees um, yeah yeah i mean what it, what it essentially does is it, it makes it harder for uber lyft whatever rideshare company to be able to classify a driver as full-time it doesn't necessarily like you said it doesn't necessarily mandate hey you have to call these guys uh you know full-time employees if you can figure out a way to pass this new test that they say and to, to be able to call a driver a uh, a contractor then you can call them a contractor but otherwise and you would have to call them an employee and then pay out the benefits and everything that that kind of goes goes along with that so that's the, you know that's kind of what's going on there i think an interesting question that has been going on around a lot. It's just like, hey, is should drivers really want to be employees? Because I mean, there there is a lot of there are there are pros and cons to that, right? So yeah, I don't, it's a it's an interesting question about hey, how good is it going? How much better is it going to be to actually be an employee, right, Jenda? Yeah, completely agree. Um, and that's a question that I. I kind of want to ask the viewers watching, like if you're watching this right now, let me know in the comments, let us know in the comment section below. This will be posted to the YouTube. Scroll down, comment right now. What would you rather be classified as? Would you like to be classified as an employee, get the minimum wage, get the health insurance, get some sort of labor protection? Um, and along with that, some of these restrictions that might, we don't know if Uber and Lyft are going to do these restrictions, but, you know, example with New York City, Uber limiting when drivers can sign on 
and yeah. and for that for that uh, limitation, all it is is if it's a slow time, you can't just you physically cannot log into the app. Yeah, I mean, there's there's certainly the pros of the benefits. You might get a guaranteed hourly rate. You know, we might, and then there's uh, you know, there's talk about you know what that minimum would be. I mean, but then along at the same time, if if you if if Uber and Lyft are having to pay you a certain hourly rate, that might mean you can't just log on anytime you want, right? You might end up having a set schedule, which for a lot of rideshare drivers that they came on board because they wanted the flexibility, you know, all of a sudden having this oversight, you don't, you don't really love this. Are you going to start to have, you know, some sort of quotas and things like that? And I don't think people are really talking about that. Um, and then you are obviously going to, you're going to be, you know, it, it, it makes a lot of sense to lock drivers out at, you know, four in the morning from being able to go online or maybe, three in the morning on a Tuesday or something like that when there's just not anyone out on the road or not too many people out on the road, drivers might not be able to drive. So, I mean, that's, you know, you, 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 with, with potentially making drivers employees, you make drivers employees and you get all the that come along with that. You get the pros of the benefits and the hourly rate and things like that, but I don't know. I don't, I don't think every driver wants that. Uh, so. Yeah, I want to go back and just let our, let our viewers watching this, let's just go back and uh, redefine what AB5 actually does from a, from a standpoint. So what it does is AB5 codifies uh, this, this company called Dynamex, which Dynamex, there was a ruling in 2018 by the Supreme Court of California. Dynamex was a trucking company that misclassified, much like Uber and Lyft misclassifies rideshare drivers. They're truck drivers. I believe they're a trucking company. They, 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 with that being said, they misclassified their contractors and their, as contractors when they were really employees. So what this does is what AB5 does is it now makes it law once it passed. It all makes it a law that companies have to ask these questions. They have to do a test on their contractors to make sure that they're actually contractors. And this is what they call the ABC test that says whether workers are employees. So if A, they perform tasks under a company's control, B, their work is integral to the company's business, and C, they do not have independent enterprises in that trade. So let's, let's go over, Brandon and I will just go over this right now. They perform tasks, A, they perform tasks under a company's control. As an Uber driver, absolutely. The company Uber and Lyft, their algorithms, the way they manage us algorithmically, they don't tell us the end destination. They feed us trips and we have the choice of either accepting or declining. Therefore, they'll feed us another trip. We don't get to see all the trips around us and pick and choose which one we want to drive. So does the test say they, uh, what, what is, do they have to meet all three of these in order to be classified as an employee? You can have, you can, you can fulfill if any of these tasks are true in the ABC, then you are an employee. Okay, and then what's this? Uh, repeat the first one again. They perform tasks under a company's control. So that's totally what we do right now as rideshare drivers yeah. because their system manages us that way. It feeds us trips. Uh, and then we also have to abide by, a, you know, I don't, pie in the sky, I don't even know what the limit, the threshold for an acceptable cancellation rate is. But if you have too many cancellations, they can deactivate you. 
So again, the ability to cancel what trips that we want to cancel as independent contractors, we should be able to do without penalization. That's right. the whole point of being independent. B, the argument that for this one that Uber is going to kind of go down the road is is they don't you don't have to be you know you're you're free to for instance log on and log off kind of pretty pretty much at will right so they're and you obviously aren't locked into a contract with Uber that you have to do that so I mean I I mean that that's gonna I think that's gonna end up being you know there are I'm not like a lawyer or anything like that yeah. just no advice for anyone but uh, I think that's going to end up being their their argument there so actually um uber executive came out so they're 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 trying to stall by saying that drivers aren't an integral part of their business of their core business and that directly relates to to the b in the abc test which is our work as drivers as independent contractors our work is integral to the company's business if that's true, if drivers are core to Uber's business, which obviously they are, I mean, how else, how does Uber make money through the drivers? If we are integral and we are not contractors, we are employees. And Uber is just yeah. hell bent on saying that drivers aren't core to their business because they're claiming Uber is a technology services platform that connects drivers, independent contractors with passengers, riders. And their core business is technology, it's data, it's the technology of connecting as a platform. Kind of like a, if you think like an Amazon platform for connecting buyers with sellers. And this is, um, this is of course ridiculous. The guy who said this, um, oh man, who was the guy who said that? Let me take a look. Yeah, it would it would be more so more so more so like an Upwork or or some like kind of like a freelance system, and they it's they have won legal uh, legal cases and that actually have said that they are the drivers aren't core to their platform because they want to act as more of kind of a more of kind of a marketplace, right? So I mean, that's I just think it's a stalling tactic. Yeah, so the, the whole thing of saying drivers aren't central to their business, I mean, Tony West said that. Tony West, the company's chief legal officer, said this, said that. I mean, this, it's, just a, it's just a way to just stall and delay because everybody knows that drivers are absolutely core to Uber's business and Lyft's business. Without the drivers, there will be no revenue. There will be no money. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think the argument there is that it's a mark. It's a marketplace, right? So yeah. instead of it being um, drivers working for them and then kind of sending the drivers, they're yeah, they're kind of the marketplace where drivers can essentially decide when and where and like what trips they want to have. So I, I think what that brings up something interesting. Where if that's like if that point is what they really need to prove, then perhaps in a California, then they need to become more of a marketplace-driven system right where instead of uber kind of just giving you you know maybe you could have more control over your over your bid for 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 a uh, for a ride you want better transparency around what where the ride's going kind of who it is things like that so that it does become more of a true kind of open marketplace i can see that being a being a solution um, as well, but I think a lot of the conversation around AB5 and whether these companies are going to, you know, pass this test 
it's really around that point B whether these apps are or drivers are core to the business, which yeah, it sounds ridiculous, but from a legal standpoint, they've, they've won some cases saying that. So it'll be interesting. Yeah. And also the self-determination, the independence of the contractor of the driver. Um, that's the A part. I would say I strongly believe because of my experience driving rideshare that we are not fully independent only because the algorithm, the way they feed us trips, they give us trips is not, it's not free. They, the company's software, Uber and Lyft driver app tells you what trip to take next. Right. We don't know the end destination of these trips. Yeah. We are penalized if we have too high of a cancellation rate. Right. If I were to, if I were to bet, you know, well, Lyft has taken a little bit of a different approach to Uber, where Uber has kind of come out and said, no, this isn't, this has got nothing to do with us. This is not kind of like a buy. Where Lyft has kind of come out and said, hey, guys, you know, this passed, so this might mean you have kind of X, Y, and Z consequences. Um, they've sent out a, an alert to all the drivers kind of, kind of saying that or an email. I, I would expect Uber to do everything they can, even if they have to change their model a little, little bit to be a little bit more transparent and be more of a true marketplace, I would expect them to do everything they could to still not classify drivers as, as employees. I, I, I would expect them to do everything they could to not because I, I think that would um, be pretty, it would definitely clearly be pretty destructive to any chance they have to be profitable anytime soon. So, I don't know. I don't know. It'll be it'll be interesting to see. We'll see. We'll see. What I think, yeah, I think the main thing I, I want to get out. We want to get out of this for those of you watching. Is what are your what are your thoughts? What are your opinions? Um, I, I'm assuming most of you that are, that will be watching this are my true drivers. So again, let us know in the comments section below. We're gonna read through each and every one of them. Uh, just really curious as to other drivers' perspectives and opinions on this. So please yeah. let us know. Let's jump on ahead to Uber Eat rate cuts. Uber Eats rate cuts. Rate cuts. Jesus, I can't talk. So, yeah, so these rate cuts, I actually stumbled upon, like, a user-submitted post showing a difference in pay um, <laughs> delivering for the same restaurant to the same destination. So he had two exact same trips, and the trip paid 22% less. Um, I don't think this is affecting every city, but if it's affecting your markets and you do Uber Eats, have you noticed these rate cuts? Uh, it is not beyond me. I, I definitely see Uber and, you know, Uber definitely is trying to squeeze as much profit as possible uh, to cut their burn. And they've been doing this with regular UberX trips since January of this year, February of this year, they've cut rates massively. Um, they cut the per mile, raise the per minute. And we all know that you make money when your wheels are spinning. Uh, time has nothing, no relevance to this. So I would not be surprised if this becomes a national thing, policy, and they're just testing it out in a few pilot markets. But 22% out of whatever standard $5 delivery trip may not seem much, but imagine that on a grand scheme, like uh, on the scale of Uber and how many millions of deliveries they do. You know, even, even a couple cent difference per trip where they earn can equate to hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars of additional revenue. I just think that, um, when, my question is, when, will, when, does the, when do the rate cuts stop, friend? When do you see these 
he's cut stopping. It just seems it just keeps going. Yeah, yeah I think um, – so with, with this specific case, it's always so hard to kind of to kind of compare these live results because the way that drivers, you know, earn – I mean, from from a trip by trip, like there there's gonna be there's gonna be differences, right? So, I'm not really necessarily sure if this specific example actually shows rate cuts because they will generally tell everyone that hey, there's gonna be there's gonna be a rate cut. Um, but I mean, I think that when you look actually at Uber's financials, one of the biggest things that one of the biggest things that numbers that they look at is, is their take rate, right? And so that basically says from the amount of bookings, like gross bookings, how much revenue are they actually making? What's their what's their take from that? Um, Uber Eats take rate has traditionally over the past few years had a pretty high take rate, and they're starting to tick that down. Um, you know, kind of, kind of point by point. And so I think you're going to start, you're going to continue to see that. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you, if you do start to see more and more uh, Uber Eats cuts. And I, you know, with Uber being in a bind from a, from a, from a profitability standpoint, I don't think that you're going to, I think you're going to continue to see rate cuts uh, happen every, every so often. Hopefully it slows down. Right, you can only get it so low before you start to. Yes, and I, I think that's what these companies are doing. They're just, they're just testing the limits. They're just, they're pushing the boundaries. How low can we go before drivers start revolting and just not driving our platform? And I think we haven't even hit rock bottom yet. I think, I think there's so many drivers out there that depend on Uber Eats, that depend on Uber, that depend on Lyft, and any other gig work as their sole source of income. And because they don't have any protections afforded to them because they're not classified as employees, that for the time being, these companies can do whatever they want with the current rates and keep dropping. And I don't think we've hit a threshold yet. I think they're going to go lower and keep testing because what's their incentive to not to stop cutting rates? Nothing. There's nothing pushing them back. There's no monetary incentive or business incentive to push them back. They're making more money. By doing this. I, I certainly don't think that you'll I don't think that you'll see rates go back up. I don't think you'll see rates go back up without any pressure from 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 outside groups. You know, you exactly. have, like the, have the, the five bill, the legislatures. You know, they, there should be political pressure. Right. And so something interesting is 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 with something like AB5, um, I think what you're gonna see as the real benefit of that is it just being a worst case scenario for for these companies like coming to starting to come to fruition a little bit right so yeah. when you when you have some groups in chicago and in philadelphia these advocacy groups out there when they're starting to like push all of a sudden you know a group these tncs might start to think like hey you know ab5 or ab5 something like that can really happen in multiple places so maybe we should actually kind of uh, negotiate with these folks and get some of these more reasonable for them more reasonable things passed. like let's just let them let's just let them unionize let's maybe let's decide on you know how we can be more transparent about about rate cuts or, or just like stop rate cuts and things like that you know that might bring them to the negotiating table a little bit more because again ab5 is worst case scenario you could potentially see 
Uber or Lyft completely pull out of a California because it just can't, it just cannot make money for them, which would be a catastrophic result for the, for that company. So the threat of that, I think is going to help these advocacy groups in other locations be able to, you know, bring these companies to the table, put political pressure on these companies, which, you know, I think that's probably how you're going to start to see some of the stops and in, in, in rate cuts or maybe increases in, in Chicago advocacy, advocacy, eh, advocacy group is, is, is going for it. Yeah, good insights on that. Really, really good insights. Um, again, guys, what do you think? Comment below. Let us know. We want to have a conversation with drivers. Combo with drivers. Yeah, let us know what your thoughts on that. But let's jump ahead. Our next topic, the Saudi attacks or the attacks on Yeah. On uh on, on Saudi Arabia. Actually, I remember seeing an alert about this. Um, the binaries got uh, blown up, yeah. for lack of a better term. This seems like kind of crazy. My drones, and we don't know where the attacks are coming. Or I actually, the the government has hinted that are they're originated from Iran and Iraq, but the Houthi rebels in Yemen actually claim responsibility, which is if you look at the map, they're completely polar opposite directions, in different groups. So, with that being said. They knocked out, they, they hit a refinery that was, I think, half of Saudi Arabia's oil production goes through this refinery. This, this, that was damaged completely. And it knocked out 5% of the world's crude oil production, as far as I know. And you would think that this would cause an increase in oil prices. But today, oil prices are down. Oil actually dropped because they were able to get their production back up in time in a whole other, various other geopolitical reasons. Yeah. So I don't think we're going to see any noticeable effect to gas prices. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. My opinion. Is, uh, one thing with like kind of the whole oil industry, especially over in, in the Middle East, is they actually kind of like when there is less production, kind of like with, with diamonds, you know, they kind of like when they're... Yeah. More, more scarcity in the market so that they can really kind of artificially drive drive up prices so it's that that's um that's a little bit interesting but it kind of just rings to the light there was definitely a point right after where oil was starting to trade a little bit higher and then obviously that would flow into into gas prices eventually so yeah it's just kind of an interesting thing from a a world standpoint that can start to affect uber drivers and then yeah question of just like hey how are we how are as a driver how can you kind of hedge yourself for these situations where you know i don't think you could hedge unless you're a driver that just fills up 20 gallons in reserve um i don't i mean that would be pretty nice to be able to like just buy 100 gallons of gas because you know yeah. in the future it might tank or yeah. it might go up but i know personally driving around um Gas is like a significant portion of my, my costs. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're not factoring taxes on your earnings, you're not factoring vehicle depreciation, maintenance, wear and tear, what's the other most noticeable, in fact, the most immediate cost for every rideshare driver is, I would have to say gasoline, Brandon. I mean, because you're paying that on the pocket day of. Yeah, um, gas, I mean, obviously that's 
that's a gigantic cost. That's huge and and kind of a little bit worrisome thinking that if Iran decides to take out a, a oil tanker or something like that, then that could affect your ride your your rideshare business. But I mean, these are kind of some of the things that are a little bit out of our control. <laughs> for yeah, I and I think I think it just uh it highlights just the the uncontrollable unpredictability of rideshare in general as a as a business model. I mean yeah. this this cost of fuel, gasoline, like literally the one expense that is immediately apparent. You have to fill up your tank to drive more, right guys? Uh, and it's something that's completely out of our control as drivers. There's nothing we can do about it. And we can't hedge. It's not like we're buying futures. It's not like we're, we're in Chicago where Brandon is buying uh, pork belly futures options where we, we, we secure the price of gas today. We don't. We go to the pump and we pay whatever the pump says. Right. So I don't know, guys. Those of you watching, would you, would you, how do you, how do you hedge against volatile gas prices and or, or do you have any strategies to i don't know brandon do you think of any strategies of like fuel cost savings i i can think of one actually brandon that i use personally myself you want to know what it is go ahead oh this is, this is a pro tip i never fill my gas tank to full because you're going to be carrying around that extra weight of a half tank of gas and it's actually the more weight you're hauling around Duh, the more gas you're burning. So yeah, it might save you a couple cents. But hey, if you're a rideshare driver and you're putting 10, 20, 30,000 miles in a year on your vehicle, you're burning through a ton of gas, thousands of dollars worth of gas. So that could be, that, that little tip right there, a little trick might save you 50 bucks. It might save you $100. Never calculated it, but cost savings are there. If you just fill your tank to halfway instead of full, Sure, you might have to go fill up more often, but the cost savings are there. Yeah, good tip for sure. Yeah, I um, yeah, just be interested to hear like what people are doing from a from a gas cost savings. Are you I don't know something you're doing the way that you drive? Are you using gas cards, some sort of like reward program? You know, what does that look like? That's definitely something I would be interested to hear hear about. So. Yeah, one thing I want to I want to clarify, you make sure that you account for the distance driving to your gas stations. If a gas station is next to your home base where you can go back at the end of the night and it's it's not too far away, then yes, this this trick will work. However, if you have to go out of your way to fill up like miles to the nearest gas station, then don't do it because the the savings of your efficiency by having less weight to, to haul around in your car versus just driving more frequently, putting on those dead miles to get gas, it might, it might offset each other. So I want to clarify, if you will do the half tank trick, make sure you have a gas station really close by. All right. Oh, you go to. Cool. Um, lastly, you know, there was the issue where Lyft has been doing this, sounds like, for a little bit of time. Uber is starting to do this where they are limiting the time frames where drivers can go online in New York City. Um, obviously that means that, you know, I don't know, maybe if I want to just start driving at three in the morning and see what happens, maybe I can't do it. Or maybe I can't all come up online when it's like 9 PM on a Friday because there's too many drivers out there. What is, uh, Jenna, do you know kind of like what the framework is behind? behind all this? Yeah. So what they're doing is 
in times of low demand, they will ban, they will bar you from actually going online in the app. You just physically can't go online. And this makes total sense. Why would any company be willing to pay you to be online if it's not making them any money? Uh, it's just a simple case of supply and demand. And in this case, where there's not enough rider demands, you can't go online. So again, this circles back to, do we want to be classified as employees or independent contractors? If we're independent contractors, we can sign on whatever we want. If we're employees, we're going to be barred from that. Um, this is why, in my personal opinion, I don't think it's one way or the other. I think there needs to be a new classification called the gig worker. Okay, the gig worker is a mix between employee and independent contractor. Um, the reason why I say this is because the nature of gig work is brand new. Guys, we are, this did not exist in this capacity like five years ago, six years ago even. Uh, Uber only started in 2010. So this, we need a new classification for a new industry. One that is heavily tech involved and that involves a middleman, a tech company at that, not a middleman, a middle tech company. Um, and I, I think having full on employee status is not going to fit the bill and having full on contractor status is not going to fit the bill because those things are separate uh, decisions, separate categories that were designed for an old industry. You know, we're in a completely new industry. We need a new classification and it has to be a balance of the two uh, so that I know I might get a lot of flack for this. I think Uber as a company, even though they have been screwing over drivers repeatedly, I will say that they, we still need to bargain with them as drivers. We, we need to, to reach a compromise on yeah. a give or take relationship. Um, of they, course, I mean, you have to work with them. You can't, uh, drivers, we can't. Exactly. Because they own the platform. They, they're the company that does, that runs the show. Try to make like another platform, but obviously that's kind of hard. So, you know, you kind of have to, you have to work with them. And I think that this is showing what's going on in New York, kind of all around for both drivers and passengers. We're seeing what could be some of the negative effects. I mean, there's, there's positive effects as well. Obviously drivers, drivers that are able to drive, they're, definitely saying like the compensation benefits and that's that's upside um hey maybe you can't you clearly can't drive all the time you have you are starting to see these like little bit of scheduled shifts kind of start to creep in for one and then you do obviously in new york like a lot of people are, are locked out you know you kind of have almost a quasi medallion system kind of going on there so pros and cons Definitely. Um, you know, this is our first inaugural podcast. Um, I just want to reiterate again to the viewers, if you have not subscribed yet to the channel, please click that button to subscribe for Brandon, hit the like button or dislike for me. And we're going to have a little friendly competition to see who wins on the next episode. Next podcast, we're going to go over these numbers of subscribers gain and then likes or dislikes gain. And then again, subscribe for Brandon, like or dislike for me. If you have any questions about today's recording comment in the comment section below also brandon what do you think about new topics should we ask our drivers what topics they want to see in future podcasts absolutely let us know what we should be talking about absolutely reach out to us again you know we both work at gridwise if you have not heard of gridwise yet go check us out website link in the description below intelligence platform 
for drivers, by drivers, 100% free to use. Make sure you guys check it out. All right, guys. Yeah. Till next time. Um, hope you enjoyed the podcast, guys. Yep. Thanks for listening, guys. We will be back next week. Next week with a brand new episode, guys and girls. Okay. Uh, you got that.